Hello and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast Sleeper Edition. I'm your host, Ian Harditz, riding solo today. I want to give you guys my top 12 sleeper picks ahead of the 2022 season with fantasy football draft season firmly in the air. So if you listen to podcasts regularly, you probably heard these names before. But again, with drafts this weekend, next weekend, I mean, my goodness, 13 freaking days until we get that opening kickoff. Just thought I would double down, remind you guys, these are the 12 players with an ADP outside the top 120 picks. First 10 rounds that I consistently find myself drafting myself. And I just believe that their prices are rather egregiously mispriced at the moment. So generally, we're thinking about a player. We got the personal talent, the offensive environment, the workload, and you know, matchup strength and schedule consideration. Clearly, after 120 players are off the board, we're not gonna be able to check all those boxes. But in some situations, we still might have some players that are at least elite in one or two of those, and maybe the rest of those boxes can eventually be checked down the line. So with that said everyone here are my top 12 deep round sleepers ahead of 2022 starting off with my favorite late round quarterback really the only true late round quarterback out there this year that is Chicago Bears quarterback Justin Fields if Trey Lance falls outside the top 120 picks which seems you know like wishful thinking top 90 top 100 maybe top 120 probably not go ahead and get them but otherwise i just think it's pretty tough to get away from justin fields my qb 14 adp qb 17 and guys we have this fallacy i guess is the right word in um the fantasy industry where i think we have a wrong feel of what exactly constitutes a safe quarterback we look at these you know the aaron Rodgers, the kirk cousins the Derek cars of the world we've seen them throw the ball enough and just be average enough that we consider them safer than someone like justin fields i'm not so sure i think you could argue fields has both a higher floor and ceiling than those guys thanks to his freaking legs now i know i'm not the first fantasy analyst to ever say that backing dual threat quarterbacks is a good idea but the numbers really are astounding guys over the past decade only 12 quarterbacks have had at least 125 carries in the season 11 of them went on to finish as a top 12 quarterback per game not just rewarding the guys that started 16 17 games out here so yes 2020 cam newton qb 17 you could argue that you know his weapons you know are pretty similar to what fields is going to be dealing with in chicago but again having just that potential floor of fields touching 130 140 150 rush attempts pff projection for 140 i just think it's gonna be very hard for him to bust on that alone god forbid we actually see him throw the ball pretty well which you know he low-key did during the final four weeks for final four games of 2021 when he actually ripped off four straight top 12 finishes running back from the los angeles rams daryl henderson my rb43 also going off the board is the rb43 this isn't one of those where i'm just super far ahead of the consensus but i'm happy to be in line with them and buy him at this price so last year weeks one through 12 without sony michelle really you know factoring in with cam Akers out of the picture henderson was the rb15 in ppr points per game rb11 in expected points per game so we really have seen sean mcveigh whether it was Gurley. CJ Anderson, Cam Akers, Daryl Henderson, even Sony Michelle for stretches. He's always really given his lead running back this workhorse role. Now, that could be in line for Cam Akers this year. If it is, we have Henderson going quite a bit after guys like Alexander Madison, you know, especially Tony Pollard, guys that we really aren't expecting all that much standalone value on a week-to-week basis. I know Pollard maybe a little more in Madison, but just from a pure handcuff perspective, I think Henderson being in an offense with Sean McVay, who has shown repeatedly that he's willing to turn over the entire backfield, the one guy, if he doesn't trust the other pieces in there, I think RB43 for that alone is worth it. 
but we might not even have to worry about that. We could actually have one of the rare instances where there is legit standalone value in this backfield. Based on some of the reports out of Rams training camp, we could finally see Henderson and Cam Akers splitting things more so in a 50-50 manner. So if that happens, great. We could be looking at you know Henderson being someone that you're not thrilled about putting in the flex, but you can kind of do it. And then we also have that handcuff upside on top of it. So you know, mentioned this in my 10 tips to you know dominating your fantasy football draft video, but that really will be the common theme with these running backs we want guys that no we're not gonna be probably ranking in the top 24 you know on a weekly basis but top 36 is more than possible and they have that opportunity to boom into the top 15 at the position if just one injury happens Next player is Indianapolis Colts running back, Naeem Hines, my RB35, still going off the board just as the RB44. So, guys, I really think that in this offense with Matt Ryan, Frank Reich's talked about getting Naeem Hines more involved. Like, he's had the potential to ha- be this J.D. McKissick guy that can catch, you know, 60, 70 passes. I think Hines is arguably better than J.D. McKissick from a pure real-life talent perspective. The issue with Hines has always been what happens if Jonathan Taylor gets injured? Will he actually, you know, take a big leap up and be the feature back? In the past, when Marlon Mack would get injured, Jordan Wilkins would kind of take that early down work. In the preseason, when Matt Ryan's been out there, obviously they're resting Jonathan Taylor, but it has been the Naeem Hines show. Philip Lindsay has not been a factor with the first team offense in the preseason. I think Hines, low key guys, could be like the 11th round version of Tony Pollard, where Jonathan Taylor goes down. No, I don't think Hines is going to be out there getting 20, 25 carries per game or anything like that, but he doesn't need to. If we can get Hines into that Austin Eckler sort of role with a JT injury, that's where we could actually see him supply some upside RB1 value that again before seeing him really get every single one of these reps with the first team offense i just wasn't sure that was in his range of outcomes so heinz has always had a nice you know ppr friendly floor but that ceiling i believe is going understated and i love this rb40 range of running backs another one detroit lions running back jamal williams my rb45 going off the board adp rb49 so yeah deandre swift will be the lead guy when he's out there but in 10 games together guys swift i believe had 103 carries jamal williams was at 102 so swift gets the fantasy friendly targets but we could legitimately see jamal williams i'd say 12 to 15 combined carries and targets per game maybe 10 some weeks when when swift's healthy and without swift we did get three examples last year of Williams racking up 20, 18, and 19 touches, even while he was playing through a lot of injuries. So I do think if Swift gets banged up, Williams could be looking at 20 plus touches per week in an offense that seems to be ascending. I mean, my goodness, I can't remember a more popular sleeper uh, throughout this entire offseason than the Detroit Lions. They're everyone's favorite sleeper at this point. But yeah, if we were trying to pick who could be this year's James Conner, the guy that is a touchdown dependent RB2, RB3 type when the whole backfield is healthy, but then all of a sudden ascends to a legit RB1 because they just take over the backfield with one injury. I do think Jamal Williams could be that guy, pal. Chicago Bears running back Khalil Herbert. He and Alexander Madison, I was concerned about their handcuff potential because it's a new coaching staff. And guess what? As we're seeing a little bit with Cole Komet, especially with Albert O, when we do get some of those descendants from the Green Bay coaching staff come down, I guess Madison's different with the Rams, but you guys know what I'm saying. When we have a new coaching staff, we just can't assume the roles and the workloads are going to be the same across positions. In Herbert's case, though, every single first team snap with Justin Fields throughout this preseason. And on the back of reporters saying really since uh, earlier in the summer, but then throughout August as well, that Herbert has a big chance to actually make this far more of a two-back committee than it's been in the past. So we've seen some pass protection woes. I do think Montgomery is going to have 
enough targets in this offense to still be the clear lead back, even if Herbert does manage to carve his way into some usage. But watching these two guys run last year, it did seem like Herbert had a little bit more going for him, particularly in some of these games where putting up over 100 yards against the Buccaneers, like this was not a highlight film where you're just seeing, you know, the Jaguars and Texans over and over again, like some guys out there. Herbert was earning those yards. And once again, probable not someone you're thrilled about putting in the flex but maybe someone you can you know stomach putting there when you have some bye weeks and legit rb1 upside if david montgomery goes down those are the running backs so khalil herbert jamal williams naeem hines and daryl henderson again the old uh, flex with benefits if you will wide receivers now Similar thing. We're looking at the wide receiver threes, mostly in offenses, because the wide receiver ones and wide receiver twos are gone at this point. Again, guys outside the top 120 picks, wide receiver threes that are one injury away to either guy from ascending. This is not a commonality in every single NFL offense. A lot of times, you know, if the number two wide receiver gets hurt, the number three wide receiver doesn't necessarily see their targets boom. They just kind of still keep the same role. Maybe the wide receiver four steps up or maybe the RB two comes in and gets more action. Maybe they run more two tight end sets. It's much more difficult to identify the sort of handcuff wide receivers as opposed to running backs. But there are a few, most notably Cincinnati Bengals wide receiver Tyler Boyd, my wide receiver 45 going off the board. Wide receiver 50, Dwayne and I did a draft yesterday. We're at wide receiver 60 out there. So, guys, here are the 12 games that Tyler Boyd has played without Jamar Chase or T. Higgins over the past two seasons. PPR wide receiver 5, 9, 9, 10, 15, 17, 20, 28, 31, 36, and two duds, 51 and 63. 17-game pace of 117 catches, 1,224 yards, and six touchdowns on 147 targets. Tyler Boyd will immediately be in the wide receiver two conversation if either Chase or Higgins get hurt. And if they don't, I think wide receiver 36 is probably pretty fair. That's exactly what he's finished in PPR points per game in each of the past two seasons. So draft players closer to their floor than ceilings. Tyler Boyd is going well below his floor, and I think his ceiling is being understated. Also, love, love, love Arizona Cardinals wide receiver Rondale Moore. Who's the most likely guy to take Christian Kirk's slot role? Rondale Moore. Who's the most likely guy to take Chase Edmonds' design kind of RB gadgety type attempts? Also, Rondale Moore. Maybe after six weeks, DeAndre Hopkins does come back. They put Rondale back in the gadget role, and they play freaking A.J. Green and Antoine Wesley ahead of this guy. But even in that scenario, we're talking about a wide receiver going at pick 161 outside the top 60 wide receivers. Even if we get six weeks as a featured player with Kyler Murray under center, I think you could argue that's enough for that price point. And guys, I really think the ceiling here for for uh, Rondale Moore in an offense where Kyler, especially last year, like don't forget that we weren't all that thrilled about DeAndre Hopkins even before he got injured because of how much Kyler was spreading the ball around. I think we could see Rondale flirt with those hundred targets that have been, you know, there for Christian Kirk and the slot receiver in this offense and get potentially 20 rush attempts. So we don't want rush attempts to replace targets, but if they can be added on top of the existing starting slot receiver role, that's what the fantasy friendly stuff we're looking for. Washington Commanders wide receiver Jahan Dotson. We've gotten pre like I was in on Jahan Dotson in the summer months because I just never understood the disparity in ADP between him and some of these other first round wide receivers. Like, yeah, I'm I'm aware Carson Wentz is the quarterback, but you know what? Like Zach Wilson throwing to Garrett Wilson. I I love Jameis. I'm not putting him in this group. He is coming off an ACL throwing to Alave. who has got a little more target competition than these guys. Jameis has got the knee injury. So you really needed to go 
with all due respect to Ryan Tannehill, you needed to go in the second round to really find any of these rookie receivers that were just dropped into the amazing situation. Obviously, that's Sky Moore and Christian Watson, but we're seeing both of those guys even struggle to crack their three wide receiver sets. Meanwhile, Jahan Dotson, not even three wide receiver sets. He's already ingrained as the number two in this Washington offense. Curtis Samuel seems like the guy who will only be out there on the field in 11 personnel. So with Jahan Dotson, man, I just think that people have typecast him as a slot receiver because of his size. That's not what I saw going back and looking at what he did at Penn State. It's not what our NFL draft team saw either when they were as high on him as they were. And just to see him go off the board 16th overall selection, that should be a positive that Washington thought of him that high, not a negative because the mock drafts we were looking at in April said that this was a reach. So Logan Thomas come back from the pup. I just think that, you know, maybe more Brian Robinson out there instead of J.D. McKissick. There are a lot of easy pathways for Dotson to easily have over 100 targets and to get someone like that outside the top 60 wide receivers like Wentz is clearly already being baked into that price Buffalo Bills wide receiver Isaiah McKenzie my wide receiver 52 ADP still wide receiver 78 I've talked about this where like guys top 10 11 12 rounds you don't want to make big reaches on ADP because it is a situation where these guys are probably going to be there for you if you know you're looking at someone going 12 or 24 picks past where you're drafting once you get to round about 12, 13, that range, though, once we're kind of looking at a bunch of wide receivers that aren't exactly starting already and then the running backs are just pure backups at that point, that's when guys like Isaiah McKenzie, you should feel free to go out there and get because we're looking at the starting slot receiver with Josh motherfreaking Allen under center. And look, this is an offense that was first in total targets to wide receivers in 2021 and second in 2020. Cole Beasley, three straight seasons with 100 targets in this role. And McKenzie arguably offers at this point in time, just higher upside than Beasley thanks to his overall yak ability. So Jamison Crowder could still make things tight, but wide receiver 78 off the board for McKenzie right now. I, I want to be in some of those drafts. So with this one, I am trying to be ahead of the curve. Normally, I like to stick my rankings a little bit closer to the ADP because again, McKenzie obviously in round 14 is better than him in round 13. But I just think that this breakout here, this is the perfect situation, the preseason, where we're not just saying, oh, look out, look at McKenzie's training camp highlights. Look at all the good things they said about him. This is a situation where he's rested with the starters. He's gotten the usage on top of the hype behind the scenes. That's the perfect marriage here in fantasy football land in August. Two guys from the Chargers. We want guys in great offenses with full-time roles. And I think both wide receiver Josh Palmer, my wide receiver 63, and Gerald Everett, my tight end 15, fit that bill. Already murmurs from the Athletics' Daniel Popper that Palmer could just fully kind of displace Jalen Guyton in three wide receiver sets. And if he doesn't, again, one of the premier handcuffed wide receivers out there. Three games last season with a snap rate north of 60%. Caught five, five, and four passes. 43, 66, and 45 yards. Scored a touchdown in each and every game. So betting on Palmer and betting on Gerald Everett is betting on Justin Herbert. And that's what I want to do at these prices. 196 and 182nd players off the board overall per fantasy pros consensus ADP. I just think these are two more players priced far closer to their floor than their best case ceiling. So in Everett's case, for trying to find the 2022 version of Dawson Knox or Robert Tunyon from a few years ago, we're looking at a tight end with a starting role and a freaking awesome offense where we could see a quarterback finding a way to throw eight to 10 touchdowns to this guy, despite only targeting him 60 to 70 times, potentially there's obviously other guys in this offense available. That's why Gerald Everett's available and going off the board as a tight end 2022, but the four tight ends, I think fit this bill. 
Hayden Hurst, Gerald Everett, Irv Smith, and Tyler Higby. Those are my favorite candidates and arguably Robert Tunyon as well uh, to emerge as this, again, the 2022 cheap late round tight end who just gets a boom from the touchdown upside. So don't discount, you know, this contract for Everett. Two-year, $12 million deal, $8 million guaranteed. Last year, Jared Cook got one year, $4.5 million, and saw 83 targets. So Gerald Everett with 80-plus targets from Justin Herbert going outside the top 20 tight ends? Sign me up for that. Final one, everybody, Minnesota Vikings tight end, Irv Smith Jr., my tight end 11, now going off the board as tight end 16. The full-time role has not changed. The number two tight end is Johnny Munt, who was the full-time blocker in the Rams offense, led by new head coach Kevin O'Connell for the Vikings. Irv Smith still projects to have the Tyler Higby every down role here, still somehow just 23 years old. No, it's not great that he had to have thumb surgery in August, but we've already got confirmation that he's fully expected to play in week one. So Irv Smith is someone that we kind of saw being priced just in the muddled tight end two range, but by the time early August came around, he had moved up into the top 12 it's it's wild i was talking to underdogs hayden winks right now like you could argue tight ends like 15 through 19 when you have guys uh like everett like irv smith and uh oh my gosh i'm forgetting the other one and david Njoku. those guys for some reason people we're still seeing albert O as a tight end 12 or underdog we're seeing noah fant hyped up at some other sites like really be careful in this tight end two range because fault just Blindly following some of those ADPs, not making much sense to me right now. So Irv Smith, Gerald Everett, my two favorite tight end two targets right now. Some quick honorable mentions, Damian Pierce and Brian Robinson. I, I don't think they qualify. Their ADPs are just shooting to the moon. I mean, my goodness, Damian Pierce. Have we ever seen him and Jesus Christ in the same room before? Shout out to JJ uh, Zacharyson for that lovely joke on Twitter. Uh, Brian Robinson, someone that obviously starting over Antonio Gibson, I would draft him one spot ahead of Antonio Gibson at this point. I do think the answer is probably just no. Isaiah Pacheco, still think he projects to be a number three back in this offense. I think his whole ascension was more so just signs that, hey, we probably shouldn't be as high on Ronald Jones than necessarily we need to be higher on Isaiah Pacheco. Samaje Pirine, free in just about any draft. If you don't need to draft a kicker or defense in round like 18 or 19, I think Pirine is one of the rare guys that could be there. And God forbid something happens to Joe Mixon. All of a sudden, we're looking at 15 to 20 week one touches. Um, basically, with the Chiefs offense, we know Juju and MVS are locked into two wide receiver sets. Okay, why is Juju going so much higher than MVS? I'm fine throwing a dart at the former ex-Packer. Uh, some more number three wide receivers with the potential to boom up to number two, but just not quite as sure. Jalen Tolbert, we got to worry about Noah Brown a little bit. He's more so been the star at Cowboys camp. KJ Osborne in Minnesota talked about Irv Smith getting the full-time role. Same thing with Osborne and KJ Hamler in a condensed Denver Broncos passing game. Obviously now with Tim Patrick out of the picture. Also want to shout out Nico Collins. Looking like the Texas number two pass game option behind only Brandon Cooks. And we also have actually George Pickens, Romeo Dobbs getting all sort of training camp buzz. I do wonder exactly how the volume is going to be, though. David Njoku, a lot more fun with that Deshaun Watson suspension, obviously. But still, full-time role with that money. I'm still okay taking him at the end. And finally, mentioned Hayden Hurst as another one of those potential options. So real quick, guys, just to quickly sum that up. How many times can I say quick in one sentence? We will see. Chicago Bears quarterback. Justin Fields, my favorite sleeper at the quarterback position. Running backs, I got Daryl Henderson, Naeem Hines, Jamal Williams, and Khalil Herbert. Wide receiver, Tyler Boyd, Rondale Moore, Jahan Dotson. 
Isaiah McKenzie and Joshua Palmer, tight end Gerald Everett and Irv Smith. My favorite sleepers with an ADP going outside the top 120 in fantasy drafts of all shapes and sizes at the moment. So hope you guys learned a thing or two. Go target these guys in the later rounds. Again, a lot of examples of guys just being priced far closer to their floor than their ceilings. So hope you enjoy this edition of the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Ian Hartson. Until next time, take care, everybody.